Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to The Press. Hope you're doing great. On today's episode, we've got my buddy Patrick Smith, staff photographer for Getty Images. If you enjoy sports or enjoy cool-looking pictures, I think you'll enjoy our conversation. Thanks to everybody who has subscribed, left ratings and reviews. Much, much appreciated. If you haven't subscribed, uh, just click the button. It's easy. Brand new episodes will be there waiting for you. And if you can take a minute to leave a rating or a review, uh, again, that'd be super cool as well. I've known Pat since college uh, when we worked together at Towson University's student newspaper, The Tower Light. He obviously in the photo department, myself doing sports, uh, and quickly hit it off and have been uh, been good friends for some time now. He and his wife as well, Kate, t- two of my favorite people. I mean, back in the college days, while he would be shooting a, a lacrosse game, I'd be sitting in the stands hanging out with Kate. She'd be explaining all the things about lacrosse I hadn't figured out yet. Uh, great people, and uh, it's been great to see Pat's success. I mean, he was somebody we just all kind of assumed uh, would make it to this level back in college. And the route probably wasn't as smooth and, and direct as he would have liked, but uh, his his talents have certainly been recognized, and he's got a great gig going for him now, and that's been really, really cool to see. He was so good back in the day, and his work just kind of continues uh, to blow my mind. He's gotten some awesome experiences. I mean, you name the sporting event, you know, pretty much he's he's been there, and he and I have been able to cross paths along the way, uh, which is always fun. Definitely check out his work. Um, go to uh, patricksmithphotos.com. Follow him on Twitter at patricksmith04. Uh, at his website, he's got tons of his material and a blog as well that kind of explains his process, gives some context and expl- explanation uh, to his work. It's really, really, uh, really, really interesting and and just great catching up. You know, same thing with with Jordan Khan last week. These friends that you have from the industry that are just killing it. Uh, whether you know them from high school, college, maybe you met early on in, in your careers and you follow their path and, and see what they're doing, it just makes you want to up your game. And it just kind of raises the bar again and again. Um, and Pat is a great example of that. The success he's had, awards he's won, um, it's been really, really good to see and certainly well-deserved. And to get a chance to catch up with him for something like this was a blast. And uh, again, just kind of pick his brain about his corner of the industry Um, and another person that has a passion for sports and gets to enjoy it along the way, too. It's really, really cool. Hope you enjoy the conversation. I certainly did. Episode 19 of The Press with Patrick Smith. I feel like it's appropriate that we're doing this. Given, yeah, man. Given the, uh, I think the first podcasting I experienced, uh, experience I had was with you. <laughs> does that still? Oh, yeah, that was that was incredible times. Does that still live somewhere? It, it definitely does lives on a hard drive somewhere buried <laughs> in my office, and I don't know if that's worth distributing to the public or no. not. Um, I don't think there's any. Think offensive, but no. it was just so silly and out there. But I remember <laughs> laughing so hard the entire time. It's kind of like being in the library, not trying to laugh, but because we were trying to be serious about it too. Well, it, yeah, I mean, we couldn't do anything too out of line because it was for the Tower Light, our newspaper at Towson. Um, but I, I don't even know where the idea came from or why we decided to do it. Um, but 
Mike Raymond signed off on getting that microphone, and once we got the microphone, then all <laughs> hell broke loose. That's for sure. And it's funny how things like that in college, you kind of just tend to experiment, experiment, uh, experiment more. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. well, let's just go do something silly and see if this thing works. Yeah. And you kind of learn in the, the process of being silly. You know what I mean? You like learn how to, to work it, and you guys kind of learn more your interview techniques and kind of maybe some tricks and it's just a good way to, to play around. And I think it kind of translates to what I do today. Sometimes like you just got to take a risk every once in a while and do something different, even if it's not the most conventional way. Yeah, for sure. I don't remember what we even talked about when we did, we did like one or two episodes, but then I started doing like for every edition. Cause it was a twice weekly. I would do like a couple minute update and maybe throw like a sound bite or something from somebody's like recorded interview with a coach and I remember after doing those for a little while, I hated doing them. Like, I think I just quit after a while because it was just like, it was just busy work at that point. Whereas when you and I were just kind of BSing a couple of times, it was, it was fun and silly. And, um, yeah, that was a good time. It's funny because and that kind of goes back. Go ahead. I was gonna say, it goes back to, if you're having fun at work, it, it's not really work. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, and that's kind of what we were doing. We were just having fun. And it's funny because I don't know where that idea even came from. I mean, podcasting obviously must have been a thing at that point, but this is 2007, and I didn't really catch on to the the podcast boom, so to speak, until like 2012 or 2013. Like, it had been a while, and then in the last like five or so years, everybody, obviously myself included, wants to start a podcast. Uh, so it's funny how stuff like that, maybe it takes a little while, but catches on and becomes huge so we were we were on to something many years ago yeah and it's it's funny to think back when you say 2007 i mean that's 10 years ago and all the stuff that was kind of coming out and starting and who would have thought half the stuff we're we're doing would still be around today and be so powerful and and what we use i mean twitter and facebook kind of just budging up and Mm -hmm. i mean all this stuff was just exacerbating going crazy yeah and we're like who would have thought that we would still be doing it and using those same tools today i think facebook uh for me is the biggest mind blower of all because that started i got on i want to say october of my sophomore year so that's 2004 i was the first person from my high school so i like put in Philmont Christian Academy into like the Facebook system. And so everybody else had access to it when they logged on from my high school. But, you know, it was just something we did to cruise around, look at fellow students, look at pictures, you know, stupid posts and notes. And now in the TV industry, it's so huge Um, as a news source with the Facebook live function. It's crazy how that's become like an essential tool that, again, going back 10 years, you never would have expected. Yeah, I remember just starting out with Twitter and saying, like, this is what I'm going to eat or this is what I'm doing or (laughs) complaining, which they're still complaining going on on Twitter. But now it's like people are using it for press releases and Uh for everything, everything. It's just unbelievable how it can shift and change and still be used. Yeah, my buddy Jordan Kahn, who was on the last episode, kept urging me to get on Twitter, to get on Twitter. And again, I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't need life updates from these people and then i got on and has been like a a life-changing experience i love it now i i joke around with people like if twitter was like yeah we're gonna charge 30 dollars a month i'd probably fold you know i use it so much and it's so essential to my job that i'd probably be like all right it's kind of worth it 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, fun. yeah. And, and, and when I was covering more news, uh, Twitter was basically my reporter because the company I work for Getty images, we don't have reporters when we're competing with AP who might have a scoop from a reporter and they can send the photographer a, a tip and say, Hey, go do this. And I remember covering the Penn state scandal and like Twitter was my reporter. Like I could just go there and use hashtags and find out so much information. Mm-hmm. It's just an incredible source of knowledge these days. Yeah. It's wild. What's your routine like this time of year? Cause I know uh, you, you work some beats during the summer. Are you still on NASCAR? Uh, I haven't done any NASCAR this year. No. Um, I've kind of swapped my NASCAR beat with uh, kind of a track and field beat um, mm. or athletics, if you want to be proper. Um, <laughs> I've done a lot of that in the past couple of years, and I rarely shot any of it uh, before kind of coming on staff with Getty. Yeah. Um, and it's been a good thing and a bad thing because like you get stuck in these mixes of doing NASCAR and you, you miss the guys you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a nice challenge to kind of change pace and learn a little bit more about a different sport you never really covered. Um, but this time of year, um, things are slowing down a little bit. Um, I traveled a bunch, um, this year, uh, I've been very fortunate to, to cover almost, um, every major event kind of going on in the world this year. I did the Kentucky Derby and I did the world athletic championships and, the um, and that was in London and I did the um, IAAF uh, Relay Championships in the Bahamas, hmm. the Stanley Cup, and the Super Bowl. So I've done all these things. And then this time of year, kind of all those major events are long gone and over. Yeah. And the World Series is now done. So that's kind of what's left is just kind of hockey and basketball as the year kind of wraps up. Yeah, you're kind of on that beltway beat, right, between Baltimore and D.C. And, uh, you know, I, I guess not so much Baltimore right now. Because uh, the the Orioles season is over, but going down, covering the Wiz and the Caps, that sort of thing, and and the Redskins, I guess, and I guess the Ravens now. So in Baltimore, some while the NFL is still going. Yep, yep, and I uh, even get up to your way a little bit and cover a bit of the Flyers, nice. which is always an interesting environment. You get your <laughs> fans up that way, man, are intense. It's like I always got to my car and think, man, if I cover a Caps game at um at the flyers and i have maryland tag like someone might smash my windshield because they think i'm a caps fan just for having maryland tag like the fans up there are ruthless but it's always entertaining in the building that's for sure do you shoot any sixers games i mean they've been so lousy lousy the last few years but now that they're half decent you going to get that assignment at all um i haven't really nominated myself to go up there my co-worker um, here in baltimore also staff photographer at getty Rob Carr is a huge basketball nut, and mm. uh, he's kind of put his hand up to go up there because he sees the kind of potential in the team. And I think he's covering the Warriors um, coming up in the town in a couple weeks, and he's all excited about that. Yeah, um, But I haven't really put my hand up too high yet to, to cover um, any NBA in Philly. I'm more of a hockey fan yeah. when it comes to the hockey and basketball, so we kind of try and trade off a little bit to covering more and less than the other guy can do what they like more. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what your favorite sports to shoot are because I've, you know, in in doing the TV thing, I've found that I enjoy some more than maybe I expected going in. And, like, football and basketball are obviously a blast because I'm huge football and basketball fans. But you mentioned hockey. That's one. Like, we have a WHL, a junior hockey team, and I love shooting their games. It's fast-paced. Obviously, when you're getting a bunch of goals, it's exciting. They have a good fan base here. Uh, you seem to enjoy hockey. Are, are there other sports that 
you got out, started shooting, and maybe enjoyed more than you thought you would? Um, it's tough. My, my cliche answer when people always kind of ask me, like, what's your favorite sport to shoot? Because I get that a lot, is whatever season it's not. <laughs> um, like when baseball starts, you're so excited to be outside again because you've been trapped in, inside covering basketball and hockey. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is great, a fresh breath of air. And then you realize you're sitting there for two and a half hour, three hour, sometimes four hour. And you get to play all five hour baseball games. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I can't wait for football to start. And then it starts getting cold like it'll be this weekend here in Baltimore. Um, so whatever season it's not. Uh, but I mentioned when we first started talking is track and field. I mean, when I was younger and in high school, like track and field was like the, the joke sport. You know what I mean? Everyone mm. kind of laughed at it. Like, Oh, you're on track and field. Like you should be playing soccer or football or something <laughs> like that. And now that I've been covering it and I've covered almost every major track and field event in the past couple of years from the juniors to the, to the big dogs like bolt. Um, it's, it's really a fresh breath of air that you can see these athletes and see that these atmospheres that they're in. I mean, when I was in London this past summer for the world, um, when Mo Farah won, uh, I forget what he won, 10,000 or something like that. I mean, it was just like the place erupted. I've never heard hmm. fans be that loud before in my life, like felt it in my chest. Um, so that's been really my most exciting thing. I've, I've been kind of learning to shoot. Um, it's, it's a major challenge. There's a lot of things going on at once. Um, but to kind of go back to what I enjoy shooting, um, I love everything. I, I just love sport. I love the competition. And uh, you never know what you're going to kind of see on the field or the court or whatever you're covering. So, yeah, um, I think basketball is probably just my least, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember you saying that back in the tower light days. Um, the the one oh, that yeah. I, the one that I love is golf, and I do enjoy golf. So that's not you know a surprise. I'm a big fan of golf. I enjoy yeah. playing. I I even enjoy watching. Um, but it's probably a little bit different for me than it is for you because I don't. You know, whenever I hit record, you don't hear a click. Uh, whereas with you guys, I mean, you yeah. <laughs> you can't watch a PGA uh, round or tournament event, whatever, uh, without at some point seeing a golfer step away and his caddy saying, "All right, guys, could you keep it down?" or wait until after the shot. This yeah, or that. Yeah. I I I ever since I started, you know, shooting in Montana, they'd have some fun events. You know, typically it's a nice day. Obviously, a golf course is a is a pretty setting for the most part. Guys are kind of relaxed, and and what I shoot more than anything are kind of local tournaments, so it's not high stakes like what you're dealing with. But I, I'm always curious yeah. uh, with with somebody like you, and when you are shooting, you just shot the Presidents Cup, PGA events. You go down to Phoenix, right, uh, from time to time yeah. for the big early season tournament down there. Um, what that experience is like for you, because obviously you're doing it at a larger scale and uh, the the function of your job with a click every single time you hit the shutter makes it a little bit trickier. Yeah, yeah. So the tough thing, and you're talking about the PGA. So for anybody that doesn't know, Getty Images, we're kind of like the, 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 the answer on paper is kind of like we're the trusted, most esteemed source of visual content in the world. I and mean, we have... 250 million assets, a million customers all around the world, and about 300 and some plus partnerships with just different organizations and leagues. And um, in terms of PGA, they're about one of our 80 clients that we work with directly. Um, 
So we have a huge responsibility to these clients. And we talked about the NBA and NHL and Major League Baseball. They're all partners of ours. They work directly with us. And that's where they get all their visual content from. So you step on a, a major event like the President's Cup, and you're already kind of nervous because these guys are out there doing the same thing we are. They're, they're, they're chasing their dreams and trying to make themselves into something amazing by winning this event. But we're out there trying to make this incredible picture. Mm-hmm. So I sometimes feel like there's a little bit of a weight on your shoulder because you know your content is going directly to the, the PGA for this example. Yeah. Um, so you definitely don't want to click in someone's backswing you don't want to to mess up anyone's rhythm or flow at all yeah uh so there's always that kind of sitting there um but it's it's like even playing sport once you kind of get on the field and get the jitters out you kind of just forget you do your thing because that's what you're kind of trained to do if you're if you're right behind say justin thomas and uh you know he's within earshot when do you when's a safe time to start firing uh, the best shot is literally as they're coming down, you know what I mean? In their backswing club up in the air, not the follow through. That's the picture that you want. And some of the technology that we're starting to use, um, there's these new cameras coming out, uh, from Sony that are, are they're mirrorless, they're quiet, they're silent. Hmm. And you can literally shoot an entire sequence of a swing without anybody hearing it. Uh, but there's kind of tricks to the trade, getting far enough away, finding other generators on the course to kind of shoot next to, so that your sound's kind of muffled along mm. that. Um, but uh, I've only once in my life had a caddy kind of give me the eye, <laughs> and that was Tiger's old caddy. Um, and that, he was playing a congressional a couple of years ago, and just was out of bounds and the crowd kind of circles around him, and I came up and he's just looking up that club's not even his hand it's kind of lining up a shot and I'm just clicking away um and not even like motor driving yeah and he gives me the eye and he's like all right camera guy chill and it's like oh gosh it's, it's kind of like being singled out in the middle of church you know what I mean it's like yeah. that's the last thing you want so he's just trying to keep there from being an incident basically like there like you said Tiger didn't even have the club in his hands but he's trying to squash the situation before it even gets started oh yeah yeah and it's one of those things where I would say like relationships are a huge thing in my business it's like the people you meet you know, along the way but sometimes those relationships are nonverbal and it's like, you got to smile and just like make eye contact with people. What Like you don't know who I am, but look, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not trying to like screw you guys up. Trust me. Like that's yeah. the last thing I want. And sometimes that doesn't always work. So the, the story I always remember from college is German Bushrod's pro day and he was stretching and you moved in to get a picture. And <laughs> one of the scouts was like, all right, uh, all right, photo guy, don't you have your zoom lens for that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I still remember that too. It's like I always look back to, and it's always with Bushrod or Gary Neal, these guys that have gone on to do great things that we photographed, and yeah. they were probably just as immature and silly as we were when we were that age. Um, but yeah. it's like you always kind of stick with those moments. But <laughs> I certainly remember that time too, and that still happens day to day. You know what I mean? Like you try and push it a little bit further when you shouldn't be, and it's you kind of laugh it off because you know, like you're trying to get something that's completely different than everyone else, and. Yeah. I just got to sacrifice the access that we're not really given. Yeah. I, I want to get back to, to this stuff, but I wanted to get into like how you started into photography. Yeah. Cause, um, I guess I, you know, you and I have never really like sat down and hashed this out, but the story, as I re- recall it, I just remember like first day it was 
our senior year, right? Or I guess my senior year, because you were uh, half a semester behind, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That, that you came on board, and I remember Kyle introducing you, and he was all excited. Um, but you were at was that at, was it at Essex before then? Yeah, yeah, community college. Yeah, and planned on playing lacrosse. So, yeah, I actually played uh, a fall ball with them, and then uh, just decided that it wasn't for me. I mean, my second oldest brother was a D1 All American, captain of Towson University lacrosse team, um, was a stud in high school, um, and he was actually just inducted into the first ever Hall of Fame at our high school for athletics, oh, which nice. is pretty cool. Um, but I. I call it immaturity again. It's just, I just wasn't seeing the future. It's just, I was like, you know what? I, I don't want to do what he did. I saw the sacrifices he made. I saw how much time commitment he had. Um, so I just decided not to continue playing lacrosse. Yeah. But, um, it just, again, it just, uh, it, you kind of look back and think, man, I should have played. What would have happened? But at the same time, you're like, I'm doing pretty good right now. I can't complain. So did you, when did you pick up a camera? Oof. Um, well, the whole thing of picking a camera up came just from being competitive my whole life. I mean, I have three older brothers. My dad was literally my coach my entire life um, in every sport I played until high school. Uh, so I, when I went to the Essex, I played fall ball, and I decided not to continue with that. And it was right around that time that I was like, you know what? I, sports is what I know. It's what I, I've always been kind of driven to do and compete in anything I do. And it was around the time, like, you know what? I, I remember being in the newspaper and I remember seeing my picture there, like, I should try this out. Hmm. And I was actually in, at that time, really into cars and I was documenting street racing again back in your hometown of Philly. Um, I was like the Fast and Furious guy with like a Delaware, video camera. Delaware Ave. And yeah, man, it was like sketchy parts of Philly and street racing. I mean, it was the movie, it was Fast and Furious with me up in the middle of the street with a video camera. Oh, gosh. Um, but again, I looked at that. I was like, you know what? How am I going to make a living out of this? Like, how how can I translate the Fast and Furious on film into a, a life? So that's when I kind of just I was like, I like sports, I like documenting. I picked up my first. Um, I had a Nikon D70 that I bought, and uh, just started snapping away everything I could, and started shooting lacrosse games and baseball games at Essex for their like monthly newspaper, the Montage. And then that kind of snowballed into going to Towson and being around like-minded people like you that were driven and passionate to do what we do. Did you feel like you were pretty good right away or no? Because, I mean, when by the time you came around, you were doing some really cool stuff for us. And uh, I would guess that was only, uh, what, a year or two after you had start, started doing this, um, you know, with some level yeah. of commitment. Yeah. So photographers in general, I think they're just a narcissistic group. I mean, we we think everything we do is amazing and <laughs> it's not always great. And I think you see that today with people with iPhones. It's like they pick up and they can get on Instagram and they think, Oh, I'm doing the black and white challenge for seven days. Look how awesome this is. Those people know, no descriptions. And it's like, eh, this goes black and white doesn't make it good, bro. <laughs> uh, but I certainly had this inflated ego, um, thinking that not many people I knew were doing it. And I was completely wrong because there was people my age, like interning at the Washington post and the New York times. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have anyone else to really compete with. So it was kind of a, a blessing to know that like I was at the top dog at Towson because no one else was competing with me at the time. Yeah. So. 
and you did a bunch of feature images. I mean, the 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 work that I always think about with you back then was, like you said, the Bushrod image, uh, some of the volleyball profiles we did, Gary. Uh, and, and that's not something you do too much of anymore, right? Like, is that, do you, do you miss that? Was that fun to kind of experiment with that for a little while and then get a better idea of like what you wanted to do kind of more, uh, uh career wise, I guess. Yeah. And I was just telling us, I spoke at Fort Meade yesterday to, uh, a bunch of, um, armed sort forces guys that are learning just literally to pick up the camera and then become photojournalists and go out into the real world and mm-hmm. cover stuff for the DOD. And I told them, some of them are young, some of them are older. I said, when I was in college, I was terrified of people. I, re- I remember going to shoot portraits of uh, whoever it was on campus and just sweating hmm. and being petrified. And I couldn't, I couldn't hold a conversation. But it was with the athletes that I could connect with because I knew what they were going through. And I knew what it meant to be on the field. And I knew how important it was. And I could connect because I, too, was an athlete. Um, so those portraits that I did, they're these highly lit portraits with little gear. <laughs> I had nothing. Uh, was easy for me. It was just easy to connect. It was easy to kind of be able to manipulate the scene, which I can't do in a, in a sense of photojournalism. If I miss it, I miss it. But when you're in a controlled portrait situation, you had the time to, to take risk and fail and then do it again seconds later. Uh, but for me, it was just connecting with them, and it was, they were the easiest people to do it with. And as you mentioned, I, I don't really do it much anymore because I'm covering the live action on the field now. Yeah. What What was the moment where you had to maybe come down to earth a little bit? Was I, I assume it was some point post-college, you go to Provo, you have the back issues, you're trying to make your way as a freelancer, then you got on with Getty a few years back. What was the low moment in trying to like figure out if you are in fact really good and can make it? And then what what clicked for you? Uh, what was the the moment where uh, things kind of came together and you're like, oh. okay, yeah, this is this is actually going to happen for me. All all the work I put into it and maybe the uh, false bravado I had early on, I wasn't completely yeah. off. <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know if there was a definitive moment. Um, after I graduated, I remember just starting to really compare myself to my colleagues, people I, I work alongside now, people that I still admire their work. Um, some guys are Atlanta Braves team photographers now. Some guys are working at the Los Angeles Times doing this amazing work. Um, people that I looked up to at Getty that I'm now coworkers with. I mean, just looking at their stuff, I just started comparing myself and that's when I, I applied to almost, I want to say like 30 newspapers across the country. And I landed in Provo, as you mentioned, a small little daily newspaper. And um, I remember winning an international award, uh, my first, and it's called Pictures of the Year International. It's like one of these benchmark, um, pristine, high class award you can win. It's like one of the few uh, competitions that are out there that like you want your name on that under the Pulitzer for photojournalism. And here I was covering this mundane little golf tournament um, with a golfer I can't even think of his name of right now. He's kind of a (laughs) pro-am. He tossed his club up into the air. And I think I placed like third in like sports action. And I remember realizing like, holy crap, I just beat out like guys at Sports Illustrated and Getty Images and Associated Press. Like these guys are like doing the big deal work and I'm in this little 
mundane tournament and making great pictures. And I remember thinking you can kind of make the big time where you are. Um, but I still was chasing that big time feeling. Was that, was that Provo? Was that post Provo? Was that right after college? Yeah. This was working at the Provo Daily Herald. And, uh, I remember it was a, as a program of some sort and it was at, uh, I believe the place is called Turkey Point because we used to always joke that we, I called it. Uh, it's called Thanksgiving Point, and I called it Turkey Point. <laughs> That's classic Pat and, Smith uh, humor, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember being there, and I remember shooting the image, and it was probably in 2009 or 2010. And again, not really thinking much of it because we were covering sports, and my coworker that I'm still really good buddies with. Uh, Mark Johnston, uh, we were doing good stuff and the guys around me, everyone was young in their early twenties and we were just kind of kicking ass and they had an awesome community out there. Uh, but I just never thought, thought much of it. And then I entered in this major competition and place in it and just thinking, wow, that was pretty incredible. Um, but yeah, that was kind of one of the first times I remember just thinking maybe I do matter. Maybe my work does matter. Maybe someone is actually seeing it and approving of it. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think I was getting that validation anywhere else other than in my own head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the back issues come about and that was what about a two, three year process before you kind of got straightened out. Uh, less than that. So that was probably the toughest time in my life. And honestly, I, I kind of get choked up about it when I talk about it because it just kind of hits this nerve in my brain. Um, it was in 2010 and I blew out my back, um, twice do it, did it once kind of had some physical therapy and stuff like that, flew back to Baltimore and then it happened all over again. And it was one of those sob stores where like, literally like the EMTs had to kick my door down to get me cause I couldn't move. I was in the worst pain of my life. Um, I had to take a cab back home, hopped up on pain meds and walk into snow, knee deep snow into my place. I mean, like you couldn't like think of this novel yeah. uh, story any worse. And I lost my job. I, I, I ran out of medical leave. Um, I felt like I was treated like a number. I, I, just, I just didn't feel like I was wanted anymore. And here I was mid early twenties, not only physically broken down, but just mentally shattered. And um, I, I go back to the word of relationships because it was people at Getty who had saw my work and about six months later um, told me to come out and shoot uh, Preakness and come up to New York and meet them. And they, they took me under their wing from day one uh, and kind of really restored my faith in, in photography and photojournalism and just people in general because I just didn't feel wanted and didn't feel like I was going to maybe ever work again. And these people, again, I mentioned Rob Carr and just my, all my editors up in Getty, just, they, they, they put it out there and knew that, Hey man, you're good at what you do. And the past is the past and it's time to move on and let's, let's do good things together. And it's, I always, it's a touchy subject because it's, I think of all the, the hurt I went through and, but the flip side, the juxtaposition of that is just how much great relationships I've built since then and the, the great work I've gotten to do for for viewers out there and our clients and um, even just people like my parents. You know what I mean? Make your parents proud. It's kind of like the bottom line in life, isn't it? Yeah. I just remember during that time, just 
I mean, I couldn't imagine what you were going through. Again, you know, with both of us being pretty young, uh, and I was probably either I would have been in Georgia at this time, and um, you know, we felt like we were kind of connected because uh, you were close to the Northwest. I was in the Northwest, you know, Provo and Kalispell. Uh, and yep. then just thinking like, what, like what's going to happen with Patrick, you know what I mean? Like, cause again, <laughs> the career is one thing and something you're so passionate about and traveled across the country, you know, uprooted your life to pursue. Um, but then on top of it, like, is he ever going to be able to get right? I just can't imagine what it was like yeah. having those layers of doubt that you're having to deal with at that point in life. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, Darnay, it's something I think about every day. I mean, I'm, I don't feel like I'm ever a hundred percent. Um, I'm probably 80% every day. Uh, but every day I think of when I pick up my kids, when I pick up my rolling bag of gear, when I'm on a sideline and maybe get crashed into by a player, um, my health is there. I can do whatever I can, but it's like, almost like a PTSD kind of thing. It's like, you went through just such a negative experience again, mentally and physically, that every time you, you have just a little bit of ache in your body, you're like, man, like you think of that time and how terrible it was. Um, but at the same time, it, it lifts you up to, to, to think back of all the great things you've done and the, the people you've met along the way because of that. And my mom is a big proponent of everything kind of happens for a reason. And I, I try to look at life that way is no matter whatever happens, it's happening for a reason. And got to see the bright side of things. So you get connected with the Getty folks and you freelance for a little while, right? Yeah. So I freelance, basically I was head surgery, um, a couple of day, I guess it was early December, 2010, um, lost my job a couple of days before Christmas and moved back to Baltimore, um, before the end of 2010. And I did my first assignment, um, back with anybody. It was with Getty at, the. Uh, um, now I'm just escaping. You got me all raveled up thinking about it. It's like you can't disconnect from it. Um, doing Preakness in uh, 2011, and that was my first uh, time back shooting. And I basically was freelancing for a bunch of different people, clients, commercial, editorial. Uh, but Getty was basically paying my living, and then they hired me going on four years now, three or four years now. Um, full time, and it's been a hell of a ride even before they hired me full time. So it's, it's it's kind of like the dream come true. It's like if you ask twenty one year old Patrick, what do you want to do? Who do you want to work for? It's like I want to work for Getty Images. And it's like they would have never given me a time of day back then, and just kind of humbled that they even gave me a time of day coming back into town when I did. Well, it's funny because I maybe again maybe it goes back to the bravado you had then. Like I, you know, we didn't know the difference, but I knew your your pictures looked cool. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of us would have assumed <laughs> that you would have ended up at a place like Getty. We just didn't expect the uh, some of the obstacles along the way. And then you, you know, we we connected right when you were starting with them because that was the Super Bowl January or I guess February of 2015, right? After the 2014 yeah, yeah. season, it was Patriots, Seahawks, and I think that was your first, wasn't that your first uh, assignment as a full-time staffer? I was there with the Spokane uh, station covering the Seahawks, and then you happened to be there as well. Yeah, I actually was uh, assigned to drink beer and watch the game. That was my assignment. <laughs> I actually just got hired a couple days before then, and my editor was like, hey, we we would love you to shoot the Super Bowl, but we don't have, can't get any credentials anymore because it's done so far in advance. He's like, but we have uh, an extra ticket to get you in the building 
if you want to hang out and watch a game and it was pretty awesome. But it was, again, it was awesome just kind of meeting up with you. And I always think it's great because we even met up a couple of years ago or last year, two years ago uh-huh. uh, during March Madness, but it's always cool to connect with people you started out with. You know what I mean? It's like we might not ever make it. And then you look back and you're like, we're both doing pretty all right. And it's, it's always cool to kind of link up and represent Towson that way. Yeah. No question about it. No, I, I, uh, I got a kick out of that. Cause I met you at your seats at the Super Bowl, and you were corner of the end zone, like first row where there's only like two yeah. seats. Like you've got nobody next to you. I guess the guy that you were working yeah. with was next <laughs> to you. And I was like, yeah. all right, Pat, uh, he's been through a lot. He's got a pretty good thing going on now. You know, basically just a, a spectator <laughs> at the Super Bowl, his first uh, assignment. Yeah, the NCAA tournament, uh, I guess two seasons ago now was fun when you came to Spokane. I mean, that's a great thing. It's like having a few friends in the industry every so often you uh, cross paths and get a chance to catch up and uh, that's always a blast what's the uh I, I, from the sounds of it the experience of being on staff has lived up to the billing or the expectations you had for so many years oh yeah for sure um just the guys i work alongside with and that goes from the shooters to the editors to the people as you meet along the way that you've only know their names because they're in sales or whatever i mean we are just a massive company and provide to so many clients it's like you don't realize how many people run this massive operation. Um, but I've gotten to travel all around the world. I've gotten to do major events across the world. Um, did my first Olympics in Rio last year. Um, I've gotten to, again, I mentioned some of the early, when we started talking the Stanley cup and multiple super bowls now, um, just these dream assignments. Um, but they've also given me the way to do the assignments, um, that you, again, you recently helped me on, uh, just doing feature stories on maybe non-prominent professional athletes. And I think those kind of always stick with me more than those major events because you're not competing against 250 other credential photographers. You're competing with yourself to really make someone's uh, life compelling and interesting with your own pictures enough that people care about it and want to read about it and see their pictures and know more about what they do. Yeah, I want to ask you about that because you mentioned the the Johnny Quinn piece that just went up in the New York Times. Well, I guess in the last month or so. Yeah. Um, uh, paraplegic, right? Got into a terrible car crash. Um, uh, lives in a wheelchair and got into powerlifting and uh, is one of the few, like small handful in the what was yep. it IFBB? Yeah, IFBB. So it's like the highest. Uh, International Federation of Bodybuilding. It's like the highest level of bodybuilding in the world. Mm-hmm. He's one of 23 in the world competing in a chair. Yeah. Um, and just super compelling story and just amazing, fierce competitor uh, himself. So yeah. you get two guys that are like-minded and competitors together. Um, <laughs> and then you, you become the fly on the wall and see what this guy's sacrificing to, to be one of these guys, one of the best in the world. It's pretty incredible. So you have the freedom to kind of take that stuff on whenever you want. I mean, you obviously have the uh, responsibilities and the games and the events you need to get to, but you've done a couple of these. I mean, there was the the runner in Baltimore, right? Yep, running man, yep. Uh, and, uh, those are the two most recent. But yeah, this, they, they give me the freedom to, if you find it, you can budget it. Um, you make your time around our day-to-day schedule. Um, it's yours to do. And why I was proud of the running man, I was more proud of, of Johnny's story uh, because 
I think it's a, a two-way street in journalism, uh, and that's not even just photojournalism. It's you get to experience what it's like for someone to live what they do and do what they do, and you educate yourself. You're not only educating people that are getting to see your story, you're educating yourself. And uh, it was this a wonderful experience with Johnny, and then getting to pitch the story myself. Um, I was pitching it to uh, the New York Times, as you mentioned. They picked it up, ran it, and printed online. So to kind of build nothing to something kind of takes me back to college. I mean, that's what we were doing and mm-hmm. had no idea. But now that you have a sense of what you're doing, it's, it just kind of really resonates and sticks with you. And you kind of foster the relationships along the way. And me and Johnny still talk every day almost uh, just mm-hmm. by messenger or text. And it's just it's cool to kind of bond with somebody like that. When you're covering a normal event on the field, you don't really connect with a professional athlete. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of nice to always have that one-on-one with somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, what, what I love about those profiles is just the the angles you use to tell the story. And the runner was a great example. Uh, I mean, that one's tricky because you're having to like chase him through what part of Baltimore? Yeah, um, <laughs> the worst part <laughs> on a bicycle. You're having to chase him, so you're you're riding a bike, uh, trying to catch up, find the right angles. So that's you know a challenge in and of itself. But even with uh, Johnny, and you had pictures of, of the runner just kind of in his apartment. Um, yeah. And, but with Johnny, you know, he's uh, in a confined space, whether it be the weight room, on stage, what have you. Uh, what I love about those is seeing the, the weird angles that you come up with to take the pictures. And maybe it's a reflection off a mirror. Maybe you've got something in the foreground, this or that. Because um, that's something that... You know, I think about as well when I'm shooting and, you know, I don't shoot a ton of features. I do here and there. Um, But that's something that's always in your mind. It's like how I want to get every single angle, wide, medium, tight, that whole thing and uh, give myself obviously as many cool looking pieces of video in your case as images as possible. But, you know, also a a wide variety and some that just kind of look look cool. I, I I would love to know just kind of how your brain is working. I think it'd be fun for me to just watch you, watch him, and see kind of the wheels turning for you and uh, setting up here or there, seeing something in the background or the foreground or a corner of the room that you could go to to get kind of this one angle um, that most people wouldn't think about or where you don't see somebody just kind of in, in day-to-day life. Yeah, and it, it's it's a it's not easy. I'll tell you that. Um, we always kind of pride ourselves at Getty, just trying to find that extraordinary image of the ordinary. You know, you're trying to find something great that someone else would come in. My parents walk into a weight room. They're like, "Well, this is boring." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what makes this interesting? You know what I mean? And you you have to seek that out, and you're constantly struggling to. You go in these same environments over and over, struggling to find something new and interesting. I mean, I can't tell you times I was in just his training with his trainer, you know, doing the same thing in the same room day after day. Uh, but you figure it out. And I think one of the most important things is just making sure that you're connecting with the subject, because again, if you miss it, you miss it. There's nothing going back to get it. So hmm. you got to make sure you're planning it out in your head and you're waiting. I can't say any times I've been patient thinking, you know what, I hope this happens. I hope this happens. I'll be ready here. I'm, I'm, I'm set with the right lens and all that. And it, it works out and you're like, this is amazing. And then there's times you do that and it never comes. And you think, well, uh, that's 
a big disappointment, but that's the way photojournalism kind of works. Um, so what you're seeing in those pictures, that collection of pictures is months and months of trial and error and what I would call kind of successful failures is, is waiting and hoping that things happen. And when they do, is it great? You had that puzzle piece, but there's also those many missed images and the pictures you're shooting that just don't kind of line up. I think that's where the competitive side of you comes out because you could probably do a session with Johnny and kind of mail it in and still come out with some pretty sick looking pictures. But then when you, <laughs> when you, like you said, connect with him, when you put in the extra effort to try and find those interesting angles, then it just takes it over the top. Um, so I, it, you know, I, I think it's just that constant, you know, pushing yourself and, not letting yourself get complacent with the subject or with the shoot. Oh yeah. And trust me, it's, I would say my kids are making my, my hair thin. <laughs> um, I think my, my, my kids are much more of a challenge in going out and shooting pictures these days. I mean, they, they test me every day in a good ways and bad ways. Um, but when you're out there and you, again, I, I want to rise, I want to be the best. I want to be, I don't want to be the first off the bench. I want to be in the starting five and I, I don't want to be just the starting five. I want to be the number one. I want to be LeBron. <laughs> and obviously when I compare myself, it's, I realize you know what, Patrick, take a step down, <laughs> come back on the earth here. You're, you're not LeBron. Um, but that doesn't stop you from kind of pushing yourself to, to want to be that. And what's with Michael Jordan, it's like without a goal, we can't score or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if he said, it, or somebody else said it, but so like that, you know what I mean? If you want to be the best, you have to act like the best and work for the best. And I think I'm, I'm in that position. Um, and you just got to keep pushing yourself to do the, the great things. And again, if I mailed it in, I just, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. You know what I mean? I just, I, I know people are watching my work. I know people are watching Getty's work. And if I, I mail it in, I think people can see that. And it's no different than being on the court. And if LeBron just phones it in, people are going to be all over him in the post-game interview. Yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't mail it in with the Johnny Quinn thing. That turned out awesome. You get it on the New York Times. Uh, that was that was really cool to see. Is there uh, is there a major event that you haven't shot? A major sporting event that you haven't shot that, or or one on that's uh, kind of still on the bucket list? Oh yeah, I have plenty and plenty of there's i mean i haven't shot a world series yet i've covered multiple playoff games in terms of different um championships with mlb um so i would love to do a game seven of the world series um i think i would love to do the world cup once Hmm. Uh, my dad is just a huge soccer fan and i think it just i think it would be kind of mean something to him you know he's like tell people his son covered the world cup yeah Uh, but just kind of feeling the challenge of all those soccer games and and keeping your, your head straight to, to get through to the cup yeah. final. Um, but I've been very fortunate and, uh, Getty's been very, um, accommodating and keeping me humble to, to cover major events. Um, so I would like to do a winter Olympics once. Um, I'm not going to Korea or South Korea this year or the next year, I should say. Um, but I would love to do a winter Olympics, um, continue to do Olympics, in the future other than that um but yeah i mean whatever i can shoot i'm happy to do it and i always say if it's fresh and you want fresh eyes on it i'm there yeah uh how was how was rio i know you i i saw some of the track images you talk about doing a ton of that you talk about shooting bolt um i don't know how much you get to kind of bounce around from event to event or if they kind of have you 
you know, sticking with track and field or, or what have you, because I would think that's part of the fun of the Olympics is there's so many different things going on. You get to kind of experience something new, if not every day, then maybe uh, every few days. Yeah, it, it was definitely an eye opening experience for me. And uh, a lot of my coworkers, I was like, your first is your worst. And <laughs> just because you, you kind of do uh, all these major events around the world and you kind of realize how these things work and how many photographers are there and what the, the fierce competition uh, competitions like. Uh, but for Getty, I go back to our partnerships, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, uh, we provide our images to them. Um, they are a partner for us. So there's a huge pressure uh, to, to make their, our, them happy because they're a client of ours, a massive client of ours. Um but our team to cover for them is also massive. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you exactly how many people are on the ground shooting, editing, um, salespeople, uh, making us look good. And uh, I went into Olympics uh, with a really uh, huge expectation of myself. And I think my day-to-day coverage was exceptional, but I don't think personally i had the greatest event ever uh and it kind of goes back to the first is your worst and uh kind of just looking back to getting to the next one hopefully in japan to 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 make myself look better and eventually make the team look better you know i mean it's always about the name on the front of the jersey not the back Mm -hmm. but i think everyone kind of has their own agenda to to help that team rise um but yeah i bounced around a little bit um i was mostly on track um that I did indoor volleyball, outdoor volleyball, some rowing, uh, did a day of fencing. So it was kind of cool just to see the other venues and just kind of see the world's best, uh, get photographed by the world's best. And that's just not with Getty. That's every photographer in the world from newspapers to other agencies to uh, just any kind of media outlet there is. Do you shoot your boy Mike Phelps, fellow uh, son of Baltimore? Uh, I wish. Um, he's one of the few athletes that I've always wanted to photograph and never got to ever. Um, I just, I, I think uh, he's an exceptional athlete and to be a hometown boy, like you said, just you, you're supposed to be <laughs> um, fair to everybody and cover everyone <laughs> equally. But it's like, I, I, you kind of have that uh, guilt inside of, man, I wish I covered Michael Phelps. It's kind of like I, I was too young, but I always wish I covered Cal Ripken as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just for a historical sense, because what I do is historical yeah. and uh, just to have that reference to go back would have been pretty cool. But now didn't get over to swimming for him. You did get some good images of Usain Bolt, though. And uh, there's there's not a bigger name in sports the last, you know, few years, given what he's done at, at such a big stage and uh, just performed at such a high level whenever the lights were on. I got to think oh, that's yeah. that's pretty cool. And maybe some level of anxiety when it's an event like a sprint, you know, the 100 or 200, it's over within 10 or 20 seconds where you have this very brief window for you to perform at a high level as well and get the shot. What's, what's that like? Because it's not like you're shooting a Cavs game uh, or you're shooting a Super Bowl or something where, you know, there might be moments that you want to catch – but you've got a whole game to come up with with something good. Uh, but for these these sprints, these events that are over in a heartbeat, um, I guess that would be part of the challenge as well, right? 
Oh yeah. And the, the game plan that we have to cover, and that's not just the Olympics, but any kind of world championships as well. The blueprint that we have is phenomenal. I mean, the guys at the top saying, Patrick, you're going to be here and Cam, you're going to be here. Um, just to, to know and have that wear throw, just to know that these guys are going to perform their best in this spot. Um, and we're there for the hundred, uh, in Rio, we were there probably eight hours before. And you talk about a second, a race that's over in seconds. I mean, less than 10 seconds, uh, setting up remote cameras all over the place, making sure you're in the right spot. Um, and I had covered both before in 2015 at the world championships in Beijing. Uh, but at Rio with all his eyes on him, this could be his last Olympics. Um, I was put on the starting blocks and I remember my, my U S editor coming up and just like slapping me on the ass and like, you got this dude. Like this is an important picture because talk about being pressured with golf in a backswing. Mm -hmm. You do not want to click before Bolt is out of the starting blocks <laughs> mm. because he faults and he's kicked out of the race. And it's because Patrick Smith shot a picture beforehand, man, talk about your heart racing. Um, but you, you go back to all the training and you go back to knowing that you're part of an incredible team and that gun goes off and they're out of the gates and you, you let it rip and the whole stadium goes nuts. It's like, you know what? You're out there doing the same thing they are. You know what I mean? You're, you have a lot of expectation on yourself and you hope that the team kind of beats everyone else just like Bolt beats everyone else. You're looking for just the image of him flying out of the blocks in a case like that? Yep, yep. So you're, and I remember that case. Um, I was lined up next to some incredible photographers, some guys that have been in this business longer than I've been alive. And uh, you just kind of focus on Bolt because he's the, the story, and you just wait and you kind of have to time that, that gun and make sure you get the shot because you got to remember he's against nine others and they can easily block him. You just got to make sure you're in the right position and, uh, the cool thing about that is uh, I'm, I'm hardlined in, into my camera. So we have an ethernet cable right into the camera. And by the time he's finished through the finish line and done celebrating, that picture is already out to our clients hmm. in under a minute. And that goes for my teammates as well. And it's an incredible technology we have. It's just that the minute you click, it's going to a computer of one of our editors sitting upstairs. And before you know it, it's on the front page of, every major website in the world. And it's super cool to know that you were part of that, delivering it to your clients and just the world. Yeah. And you were, and for the 200, you weren't on the blocks. Like, weren't you closer to the finish line? Yeah. So I call it the big couch uh, for the 200. <laughs> uh, so it's just like a tribune. It's a big riser. Um, so you're either like in below in the moat, uh, head on, uh, on the big couch and then there's, you can be in the start, the finish line around the bend. Uh, but yeah, I was on the big couch and, uh, I think there's a little less pressure when you're up there, mm -hmm. uh, because literally they're coming right at you and you're setting up a camera that catches all the lanes and then you're going tighter mm -hmm. on someone like bolt. Um, but you, you can also miss it. And I mean, I, I miss bolt losing at the finish line. Uh, in London this past year because he lost by like a tenth of a second mm -hmm. to Justin Gatlin. And it's just, you, you know that your teammates are carrying you when you, you take a risk thinking that Bolt's going to be the guy winning. Well, it's but usually yeah, a safe bet. 
Yeah, <laughs> he hasn't lost in, in this is his last possible race, so yeah. you kind of want to stick with him anyway. Well, and there were some cool images that came out of the 200s because uh, he had a little bit of time to kind of soak in the moment. And there was the young kid that pushed him a little bit, I think, in the the qualifying and he kind of had a funny yeah, moment with him. It. Yeah, kind of looking back at him and smiling and that sort of thing. Um, so to, to, again, have that, uh, you know, room to breathe a little bit with the 200 rather than a 100 final. And then his personality as well. Uh, I mean, the images that came out of that were just so cool. And, and part of it is the setting and, and the stakes. But part of it is just shooting somebody like Usain Bolt, who, you know, whose personality is as electric as his, you know, athletic ability. Oh, yeah. And he's definitely been one of the, the coolest athletes, I think. And I use that term in a weird way. Oh, he's the coolest. Yeah. And it's like being in high school. <laughs> it's uh, true, though. He's on the varsity football team. But <laughs> it is. You said it. He's electric. And it's he's good. But I don't I never thought he was cocky. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. was an entertainer. He, yeah. he understood that sports is entertainment. And but he never failed to show up. I guess you could say he failed to show up in his last hundred there in the, in the world in London. But I mean, he always gave it his all, and he knew how to keep the crowd entertained, and I think that's a great thing for sports photography in general. It's just if someone can make great pictures, and the picture you're, you're describing is one that my coworker Getty shot, and um, it's it's incredible feeling because you feel that um, feeling they have of getting a shot like that. <laughs> it's like, you know what, I'm glad Getty got it. You know, I mean, glad Getty got it and someone else didn't. Yeah, um, but you would get you wouldn't get that picture with anyone else except Bolt. All right. So if if I assume he's in the top five in terms of athletes that you've shot that you enjoy shooting, who are some of the other guys? Oh man, um, I think back to just a historical standpoint on things. Um, I, I look at Tom Brady. Um, I hate to say I'm a fan of Tom Brady, but he's another athlete that I think. He might be air on the more of the cocky side to some people, but I think he's he's great at what he does, and he always shows up. And uh, I, I look at these videos, I see online of him just cussing at himself from the sideline, and I, I can relate with that. I can relate to missing a shot and cussing at myself. And like, you know what? I want to go out the second half and make something that that people want to see, our clients want. Um, and then there's times where you do nail it, and you're you're holding up the, the Lombardi in terms of. Um, an object, you know what I mean? You, you, I get the, an actual picture to hold up to say, yeah. you know what? I crushed it. <laughs> so Tom Brady's up there. Um, I think of LeBron because there's so much comparison to Michael Jordan with him and to, to be in this atmosphere that he's in. Um, and the thing he has done in his career is pretty incredible. Um, having covered a lot of NASCAR, I think of like Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Um, one who's retired now, one who's retiring this year. Um, but just to know that I've, I've had the humble opportunity to, to document their greatness is, is pretty cool. But then you start looking at the younger, the younger guys coming up. Um, and I always considered myself one of the young guys in the world of sports photojournalism. And you kind of always have to root for them as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, favorite venues. Oh man, I can tell you my non-favorite, but I probably shouldn't say it on here. <laughs> um, uh, the old, the old, Tal- because- the old Towson arena. Yeah. <laughs> um, Burdick. No, Burdick. Just kidding. <laughs> the uh, yellow light, all humid. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, that's a perfect example. I mean, some of the venues we go to, 
they are not up to date. They don't have LEDs like your hometown of Philly um, <laughs> in the Wells Fargo. It's some of the greatest light in, in hockey and basketball. That's good to know. Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, some uh, venues allow every photographer known to man to have a credential, and they run into end zones and they run onto the field and they shouldn't and they block people yeah. and that this infuriates you. And then there's other venues that are very strict and they limit the amount of credentials and they make working there an absolutely a breeze. It's like Thanksgiving and Christmas on the same day when you go to these places. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, but in terms uh, of, in terms of what you see and in terms of the settings and that sort of thing, um, a place that is maybe a little bit more, beautiful or picturesque or maybe it's a stadium where you feel like the angles just work or or you know maybe it comes down to the lighting or something like that but i, I would imagine there's places yeah. that you're like man i would love to go back there yeah i think the best light i've ever saw was the bird's nest in beijing um i don't know if there was an engineer that built this place knowing how the light would hit it but you would basically have what i would call mega light um <laughs> And these jet black backgrounds, I mean, no distractions. Um, and it was just incredible. Every day you just came out with these beautiful pictures, vibrant, colorful. Um, London was no different um, this past summer. Um, the light wasn't as beautiful, but it was very colorful, graphic, clean. And that's what I'm always looking for in my pictures. It's like a clean background, great light, great moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just kind of two that I can think of. And you can see my, my strong... <laughs> pull towards athletics again it's just it's something that i've kind of really taken um a passion to of recent yeah uh but that's a nice thing of just being outside sometimes is is this weekend's going to be cold and probably gray and that just changes the environment you go to every week you just you never know what the weather's going to happen going to be and then because of that you don't know what's going to happen so you just kind of hope that something magical can happen no matter where you go and that's just environment the light and even the athletes performing yeah what when you're looking at other people's images maybe other getty guys maybe just uh you know some of the old timers or uh just kind of scrolling through what what catches your eye about an image uh the best thing i always say is if it's a picture that i wish i shot wish it was in my portfolio that kind of just sticks with me it just it's like man you're so jealous and a lot of times it's an event you're not even at, you know what I mean? It's like, man, that was an incredible moment or just where in the world did they get the eye to see that? Um, but something that's just, as I kind of mentioned, something that really just catches your eye. It's graphic, it's clean, it's compelling. Um, I like to use the word iconic, something that's going to kind of resonate forever uh, with you. Is it a different moment? Is it like that bolt picture you saw of them taking a risk and uh, doing a slow shutter speed, but getting that incredible moment mm-hmm. of Bolt smiling with his almost looking like he's giving a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it kind of goes back to the feature stories I'm kind of doing. It's those kind of uh, access of photographers are getting something that I've never seen before is what's resonating with me. And I can list you 175 different photographers girls boys um just doing incredible stuff like that and i'm like wow i didn't even know that existed and holy moly they had the best access in the world um and a moment always trumps the the clean background or the the incredible compelling picture just if you have an incredible moment of something i've never seen 
uh, you got me. You got me hooked. Yeah. One of the ones that you had kind of like that at an event, and part of it was the context of what was going on in the NBA at the time. And I remember seeing this picture on the front page of ESPN.com, and you see in the bottom corner, it's Patrick Smith, and you're like, that's my boy. Uh, but the yeah. <laughs> one of uh, LeBron, Chris Paul, and was it KD or Mello? Sitting on the bench at one of the programs during, yeah. during the lockout. Yeah. I mean that that one was so cool because, a you never see all those guys wearing the same uniform and sitting on the bench together. And even if it is you know in an NBA game, you know in a huddle you're you're not able to just sneak up to them and take a picture like that. But that one was so cool because of the collection of guys, what was going on in the NBA at the time, um, and then you're just kind of right there in front of their face. They're in some gym wearing you know, ratty looking pro-am uniforms. It's just such a unique (laughs) moment. Yeah. And I think that's what we're shooting for is we want that historical image to, to kind of resonate with people and to kind of tell the story to our clients and to readers to say, Hey, look, this is what's going on. And despite what these guys have on the court that are differences, they're both going for the championship. They're going to come together to try and get what they want back. And it doesn't matter where they play or what they wear. Um, and to, to be there and be able to put a wide angle on their face and uh, document that for history is pretty cool. Do you have, I mean, I'll ask you a question. I'm sure you're going to have a million images flash in your mind, but if you have like a series of your favorites, or maybe it's just your favorites that you've shot recently, what what comes to your mind? All-timers for Patrick Smith. Uh, uh, I know it's an impossible question. Yeah, um, the, you always hear the answer. Oh, I haven't shot it yet. That's probably true because <laughs> you're so fierce on yourself. You're your own worst enemy that you can make an incredible picture, and two weeks later, you're like, "That was terrible. What was I thinking? I should have done it better. Why, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I shoot with that lens?" But um, there's there's so many pictures. There's there's moments. Um, I, I think of the Penn State scandal is one mm-hmm. of the biggest stories I probably ever covered. Um, there's a lot of pictures in there that resonate. One of them is, a, a, I don't know if he's a student or just a, a fan or what, but he's kind of leaning on a fence after they pulled the Paterno statue down. And he has this shirt that's kind of like a Penn State saying. It's just like one of those, the photo gods align for you. Mm-hmm. And it's a storytelling image. Um, that sticks with me. Um, I have a picture of Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens on this like mechanical horse before winning the Preakness a couple years ago kind of showing viewers a, a side of sports they don't get to see. And I love showing people that when I have the access to document a moment where they're so used to seeing something in the field and when you can step away from that and show them something that's different. Um, that sticks with me. Um, certainly Austin Dillon flipping up into a catch fence in NASCAR, at, uh, mm-hmm. Daytona, um, living through that and a guy getting out and just doing like a funny little gesture. I mean, incredible moment. Talk about life standing still. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking I have to keep shooting. I hope I got that, you know what I mean? Kind of moment. And boy, I hope he's okay. Uh, just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in professional sports and lucky enough to, to have the training to be able to document that um, sticks with me. And the list kind of continues, but it's just, you never know. There's a rainbow over Cannon Yards. Who would have thought it'd be a perfect rainbow over the, and one of the most iconic baseball parts in the world. Mm. Uh, against the Yankees in a full stadium, um, so it's a it's a mix of beauty and in, in sports. It's a it's a mix of moments, and it's a mix of just kind of experiences uh, yeah. as well. Well, I've got a couple. I mean, I have uh, one of yours on my wall. The 
the dog leaping up by his owner in black and white that's framed in my living room that was in provo right no that was actually in baltimore that was in baltimore Um, yeah before uh moving to or maybe it was after i i I don't actually remember but it's actually framed in my house as well and when i showed it to a speech um yesterday it 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 invoked emotion i think that's a great thing in, in photography it's kind of hard to evoke emotion sometimes in sports unless it's like a really grueling or intense photo yeah. of action. Um, but you get the whole uh, audience laughing because they see a picture without saying anything. It's an incredible feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, but yeah, that's one of my favorites as well in terms of not sports uh, pictures because of that. It makes me smile every day when I see it. Yeah, that's a great one. And then my Instagram photo right now is uh, a classic from college. I just changed it the other day. But of of Rusty when he's licking his nose and you got like right up on him yeah. in front of the camera and then I'm kind of in the background with my Phillies hat like that's just uh, yeah. uh, as far as me and Rusty goes that's an iconic image. Uh, what... and, it's, and I love that I can re- you can describe that and I remember exactly where we were and you know what I mean it's, that's what I love about what we do is yeah. you can easily recall those experiences that you had and the, the, the times you had and in either positive or negative way, you can remember them. That was the Towson town festival, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly where it was. So funny. Uh, how, how weird is it when you're just kind of cruising online and you see an image and maybe, maybe that's something you've just gotten used to, but when you're out of the mode of, filing or going through your stuff and you just log on to ESPN.com or maybe you're watching TV and you're like, Oh shoot, I shot that. Uh, well you say when I'm out of the mode, I can never turn it off. <laughs> I literally can never turn it off. When you're playing um, with Peyton, you know what I mean? And you just log on to your computer and I, you're watching I can't TV. Turn it off. <laughs> I can't turn it off. I mean, we're in the basement playing hockey and he's going, daddy, might be Hopi, you be over you, you be Sid. I'm thinking of all those pictures I saw shot of them. And, uh, no, I mean, honestly, it's like, I, I can never turn it off. I, I live for what I do. And I think Kate bears this great human being power to be like, Oh my gosh, here we go. Talking about pictures again. Uh, but no, I see it a lot. And it's, it's a, it's a humbling feeling to know that someone put so much trust in me to, to send me to an event to take pictures. Um, and them being storytelling enough to be on the front of the biggest publications in the world. It's, it's it's pretty cool. And sometimes it's like your worst picture and it's up there, but you're like, (laughs) you know what? There's a thousand other people that want to do what I do. Yeah. Uh, I'm just glad it it has the Getty images mark on there and my name. And again, it goes back to your parents being happy. It's like, I can't tell you how many times my dad's like, Oh, you had a picture in the Baltimore sun. And I'm like, how big was it? He's like two columns. I'm like, well, <laughs> it wasn't the front and it wasn't like the times or the post or ESPN. Like, I don't want to say I wouldn't care, but like, you still want that prime uh, positioning in the paper. And yeah. Uh, so I think they see it more often than I do. And uh, I just, I just, I root for everyone on my team too. It's like, yeah, I want my name to be there, but when we're in front of everything, it's like, you know what? I do work for the best people in the world. How good of a photographer is Kate now? Because she's she's picked up oh. a thing or two <laughs> being around you all these years. Oh, yeah. She's picked up more than just being a good photographer. She's got a potty mouth like me as well. And I've been biting my tongue this whole interview not to drop an F-bomb. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she actually is uh, very talented. I mean, the iPhone kind of gives you that, that confidence without needing to play with the mathematical elements of taking pictures. 
uh, and exposures and all that. So she sends me pictures all the time when I'm at work with the kids, and I'm always pretty impressed by what she had done, whether she like sets the kids up for a portrait or just kind of an action shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of years ago when uh, Peyton was really little and kind of just starting to learn to walk, she shot a video of him sliding down this little playground set in our backyard, and his shoes catch at the bottom of the slide. He does a complete somersault, <laughs> and you would think any like classic mom would like drop the camera and catch him, but she's just so used to like guess, seeing what I do and just like keeping the camera to your face that she has the whole like video of him flipping and she's like and he's okay like <laughs> just totally like making fun of it. It, it kind of makes me proud. It's like, I was gonna say you know what she she get she gets that you need to capture life for what it is and don't drop the camera sometimes and. If you miss it, you miss it, and she totally nailed that. But yeah, she's uh, she's certainly gotten really good at what she does. I guess just kind of rubbing off on uh, the skills I have. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Well, I've I've taken up enough of your time um, and had you hiding out in your car for I think two hours, an hour, something like that. <laughs> that's uh, fine. But I'm um, I'm glad we finally did this uh, long overdue and. Uh, you're going to have to dig up the original podcast at some point. Maybe I can make it an episode of its own one of these days. Uh, but no, this is a lot of fun. No, it's always awesome talking with you, man. It's it's always good catching up. And uh, I think every time we, we kind of connect, we don't really talk work. And it's it's kind of cool to, to kind of connect with you on that level of, you know what, we're both doing amazing things. And uh, I've been listening to the podcast and actually the past couple of days, I've been listening to the most recent ones on my way home from DC and it's, it's, you got incredible people in your life and incredible people that you want to talk to. So keep doing your thing here, keep doing your thing on, on TV. And, uh, I can't wait to work with you in, in person again, man. Yeah. Likewise. It's fun. You know, you, uh, I always think about people that you come across this with similar interests through the years from college, you know, the last one, Jordan Khan, a high school buddy is now writing for the ringer and, you know, guys like Brian Stelter and uh, people that have done just awesome stuff that you're so proud of and excited for their success. And uh, yeah, then when you do get a chance to meet up uh, like we did last year at Towson and have a beer and catch up, whether you're talking work or otherwise, um, it's just life. And, you know, from a life standpoint, professional standpoint, so much that you're like proud of and excited for with these other people. And it just, uh, it, it it enriches the experiences, I think, of what we do that much more when you have those types of people in your lives. Yeah, if I could take a picture saying what you just said, I would, but I I, <laughs> I, I don't think I I could even come close to saying what you just said, even anywhere remotely closely. So. You keep doing that work thing because it's certainly helping out with that Johnny story. <laughs> well, and then when we're together and uh, can take take pictures like we did in the Spokane Arena a couple years ago and at the Super Bowl. I mean, that's a fun thing too. Is like you and I have a couple pictures, you know, through the years together at these cool events where we've crossed paths. I mean, it makes it that much cooler. And then obviously, uh, we could probably go to Facebook and dig up some embarrassing images from from back in the day. But uh, yeah, it's 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 been a fun ride and excited to see where it leads for you next. Yep. Likewise, man. I, I can't wait for to see what we all do. And um, got again, got to represent Towson. So, so many of us doing great things. And uh, shout out to the Tower Lake. That's where it all started. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. See you, buddy.